Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This is with the first pick the CBS Sports NFL Draft Podcast. This is episode 49. I'm Ryan Wilson. That's our guy, Rick Spielman, our general manager. More than 30 years of NFL experience, including a decade as the Vikings general manager. So over the next few weeks, we're going to go division by division and see what each team did in the draft to improve the roster. Today, it's the AFC and NFC East. And who better to talk to than our guy, Lige Duzable. Played 10 years in the league, including three for the Jets, Two more for the Giants, another for the Bills. Lijay, how are you doing, my man? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing on this good Monday? So, Rick, um, you said uh, your wife's already fed up with you. You know what my man Lijay did this weekend? What? According to social media, he got married. He got married? I did. Can you oh believe that? Are we on the invited? Got selfies. <laughs> Worse than that, he's on the podcast on Monday. What's he doing? <laughs> See, his man, wife's already working him too. Yeah, yeah what? She, she told me get out of here. Richard said, "Hey, go go back to work. Yeah. You got to get back to work." Man, congratulations, Lejay. That's what I'm talking about. That's Appreciate called commitment, it, man. Yeah, it was great. Um, technically, I've been married for about a month, but um, we wanted to do something with our close friends, so we just went out to Vegas and did a little fun wedding. Um, had a good time this past weekend. But but as Rick said, yeah, she was like, "It's time for you to go back to work. Time for you to go." <laughs> man, look like fun. Vegas, you're back home in Florida. I'm back in Florida. Dude, Rick, this is how you hustle. Come back, or she's still out in Vegas. <laughs> nah, she's back. <laughs> she's back. <laughs> oh man, go ahead, go back to work. I'll, be, I'll see you in a couple weeks. <laughs> oh, Rick is in rare form. Rick is in such rare form that Debo, he's as grumpy as I've seen her today. So he's had enough of you already, Rick. It is officially the first day of with the first pick summer. But we're talking AFC, NFC. And by the way, if you missed it last Thursday, Rick and I talked to our guy Tom Fornelli, one of our buddies from the Cover Three podcast, to look ahead. Can't believe I got to say this today to the way too early 2024 mock draft that I put out last week. I mean, what are we doing? If you want some insights into next year's class, Tom is your guy. That pod is in the feed. As always, you can watch us live on YouTube at NFL on CBS. Give us a thumbs up. If you're an Apple podcast or Spotify, leave us a five-star rating. All right, let's get to it. You know, Ryan, before we get started, I was yeah. a little offended that you said that I wasn't as my sarcastic Rick to Tom. And uh so I was you like, I give everybody respect on this show, including you. Give Lije a hard time. He can tell you that. No, I don't. Look at him shaking his head. Tom didn't oh, get anything. Sure. You, I think you were afraid of Tom. <laughs> no, nah, Rick said it isn't so. You changed up when Tom came on. He came, He changed up. But the you only know? reason I wasn't, I didn't see all these guys on tape yet, so it was hard to me to start being sarcastic. <laughs> if I don't know, if I don't know what I'm sarcastic about. That. There you go. Fair enough. Fair enough. Hey, Lije, before we get started. Obviously, we're through the draft process now. OTAs are starting up for some teams, the rookie OTAs. Uh, explain to us how it was for you, because you came out undrafted. And Rick, we have I, to go through this again? No, I want to oh, yeah, talk we're about, going through this again. Rick. I just want to talk about the process of go, getting undrafted. And, and tell me, 
we can go through this quickly. I'm spending all day on it. But so tell me what your agent and you had thought was going to happen in terms of whether you get a draft or not. Then you go undrafted and how that process went, how you decided where to sign and what it was like that first few weeks in mini rookie camp. Yeah. So going back to my draft process, process, Rick can speak to this. Like um, as a player, you get these top 30 visits where you're allowed to visit different teams, right? I visited three different teams. It was almost like I was trying to stay in Florida because each one was Jacksonville, Tampa, and Miami. Those <laughs> were the three teams that brought me in. Um, I had heard different rankings, not rankings, but where I could potentially go. Um, I was heard, I heard earliest was third. They were saying that my um my floor would be fifth, though. So I right. thought by the fifth round I would be drafted. Um, and then comes draft day, and it was a little different in 08 because we did rounds one through three on Saturday and then Sunday was very long. It was four through seven. Um, and that call just never happened. Now, Rick can speak to this as well. Like in that seventh round, teams start calling you and they're like, if you're not drafted, we want to bring you in undrafted before the draft is even over. Well, I'll start technically calling. they're not allowed to do that. So. <laughs> well, I just, well, I, I guess I just dry snitched on a, a whole bunch of NFL teams. You heard it here first on with the first pick. Teams are calling guys in the seventh round if you're not drafted, we want you to come to us undrafted free agent. Um, so it, at that point, it almost became like free agency, right? And you have to treat it like a business. Sometimes the team that offers you the most money isn't always the best place to go. Mm-hmm. I went to Minnesota and they actually didn't offer me the most money, but I felt like that was the best chance I had to actually to make the roster or even make practice squad. So that's why I went there. So you must have been fired up when oh. the sixth and seventh round came and you're trying to have a conversation with teams that your agent is and you don't even, you can't even see straight. You're so mad. I mean, and this is not disrespecting anybody that goes to any school. Cause I went to UCF, which isn't the biggest school. Now it's bigger now as far as name recognition, but man, there was when dudes started getting drafted from schools I had never heard of that definitely pissed me mm-hmm. off. I, and again, this is not throwing shade at anybody that goes to a smaller school. Cause Rick can tell you this. If, if you can play, they'll find you no matter where you're at. Right. Um, but I think that's what lit a fire under me. And then, again, you, you spoke about this before, Ryan. I ended up playing 10 years. There was only two other defensive linemen that lasted longer than me in my position. One's currently playing right now, Calais Campbell. He's still playing. And Chris Long. And mm. three tied me with 10. Right. So out of all the first round, second round, third round picks, I, I outlasted them all. So, yeah, I damn sure had a chip on my shoulder. <laughs> And Rick, we talked about this during draft weekend. Uh, like you asked me about my experience when I signed as a college free agent with the San Diego Chargers. Oh yeah, let's talk about. Oh, did you have an agent? Uh, kind of. What does that mean? Uh, they were trying to get a package deal with my brother because I was the <laughs> slappy that I knew was going to get drafted, but I was good enough to get into camp. But hey, if we take you, do you think your brother will come with us too? The next yeah. No, that's right. That's how it works in recruiting. I mean, like for, I guess for every sport, for basketball, sometimes they, you see that they recruit their buddy and they, they bring like LeBron's best friend back in the day or whatever. So you had sort of had an agent and you're coming out of Southern Illinois. In 1987. So how many rounds? Before the CBA. Do you know how many rounds were in the 87 draft? I can look it up if you don't remember. No, I don't remember. Probably 12, maybe. So you did, did you expect to get drafted at all or no? No, no. Oh, so I you, knew I got signed as a free agent because every team brought in 150 dudes. So, okay. Lord. So how that, so how did you decide on, cause your brother was drafted by the lions, right? Is that right? Yeah. 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 So how'd you end up in San Diego? Well, a long story short, they signed me and then I went to, there was only mini camp back then. So you went in for a three day mini camp. 
there was no off-season program. Then everybody went back, and then you came into training camp. And then when I came into training camp, there was 150 mm-hmm. of us, and that was two-a-days full pads every day. Oh, my God. So it was just like taking bodies. and <laughs> <laughs> Literally and just gracious. throwing guys out there. Yeah. No, and I remember my first uh, mini camp, the veterans were there, and uh, I was like – I was a linebacker and I was one-on-one over this tight end. And I looked at the quarterback and I was like, boy, I don't think this is going to go very well. <laughs> so I, I looked and it was uh, Kellen Winslow was the tight end that I was trying to cover. Oh, and Dan wow. Fouts was the quarterback. And I got spun around like a top. And then I was like, probably podcasting will be my future. So <laughs> even though it wasn't invented yet. <laughs> I don't know what podcasting is, but I'm going to be doing that instead of playing football. <laughs> And I hey. ended up getting, getting cut uh, in training camp. There was no practice squads, but we would oh. go through the lunch line every day. And you were just hold, there was a guy, the Turk, <laughs> would sit at the lunch line, and it wasn't like a seventy-five man cut or fifty-three cut. It was just they just cut you, and what? so you come through the line. And you just hope you didn't get pulled over as they checked your name off. You were afraid to eat. Yeah. So the dude would said, <laughs> and finally halfway through training camp. Uh, Rick Spielman go see the head coach, and I was like, "Oh, I must be getting a promotion." <laughs> <laughs> was that Don Coriel? Was that Coriel '87? Huh? Uh, <laughs> no, it was Al Saunders. Oh, Al Ooh. Saunders! Wow. Yeah. So I got cut, went back to grad school, finished my master's up at Ohio State. Uh, then I was piggybacking off of workouts when my everybody was coming to work out my brother because I was a GA in the weight room. And uh, so it was like all these checks out. <laughs> yeah, Hank Bulla and Dick Duran and all these guys were coming in to work out Chris because it wasn't like the pro days that we have now. I mean, no one's there. You just come in and they just come in whenever and call you and you go work out. So we were, I was always faster than my brother. I can jump higher than my brother. So I ran faster than him in a 40. Uh, I out vertical jumping by three or four inches. Mm. And then we did this broad jump where you had to cover, you had to jump, stop, jump, stop, jump, stop. You had to cover 10 yards and three jumps. Yeah. And uh, Chris went and he got on his third jump. His feet landed about eight and a half, nine. So I was already at seven and a half on my second jump. And my third jump, I was in the air. And out of the corner of the eye, I see my brother come, and he clotheslines me in midair. He did not. And we went down. Yeah, we went down. In the middle of the workout? In the middle of the workout. Wow. So, so, so I got up, and then uh, we went to the short shuttle, and that's where it all fell apart for me. Yeah, you had a concussion. <laughs> that's why. Wait a second. So you're skipping over some important parts here. He clotheslines you, and everyone gets up like nothing's happened? That's no, what I'm trying kept, to figure out. Yeah, no, we just got up and kept going. That was a brotherly love. So, so we, little, we were a little competitive and we had beat a little in the first two events. And so Lijay, uh, we met Chris at the, uh, at the combine and he, he's obviously my favorite Spielman, but after that interaction, here's what Prisco calls Rick and Chris two meatheads. And I think that story right there perfectly encapsulates, uh, you're doing a work. Can you imagine being in a pro day today? And someone comes out. Of your like, yo, that's what like y'all just continued going on with the drills. Like I nobody said anything. No, we just, yeah, the coaches were laughing and then, <laughs> yeah. we got, and then so, it was like, okay, kind of, chest bumped each other and then uh love it went on and then and then i got cut went back to ohio state detroit asked me to come across the strike line 
And I was like mm. three weeks away from my graduation for my master's degree. So I stayed in. They signed me after the season. And then, uh, ironically, they drafted Chris that mm. spring. And then we were uh, roommates together up in Detroit. Yeah, the uh, pitcher's behind you. Yeah, that's our pitcher nice. behind us uh, when we were in training camp together. He so, got 54, and then the 90s were not a very popular number. You could tell my camp jersey number was 94. <laughs> but 94 actually is a good number now. It looks like you were a dude if you wear 94 now. Yeah, yeah. Not, not back in the day, especially if you were a linebacker. <laughs> Came full circle. So, Debo notes, you were exactly right, Rick. 87, there were 12 rounds, 335 picks. Sweet mercy alive. That's a lot of picks. And um, that's a good story. I never heard of that story. That's a great story. And Lijay... I just want to say, Rick, we were talking about this after the draft. If you have someone with Lee J's motor and you get some of these first-round talents we've been talking, like a Jalen Carter, for example, who had the Lee J's mindset, he's a Hall of Famer in five years, it feels like. So I think that's a, a testament to Lee J's hard work. No, don't, don't discredit Lee J. He I'm not. Years. I mean, you're saying he's not talented? I'm not saying <laughs> Well, yeah, Why are you throwing our guests under the bus? We'll never get it <laughs> I'm not. I'm getting an invisible free t-shirt from Debo with the first pick invisible free t-shirts we give out. Every I appreciate Lijay's Le- <laughs> commitment and hard work to fight through adversity. That's what I appreciate. Okay. And um, read the card that Debo sent you. No, I don't need to read the card. I'm speaking from the heart. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I got to read the card. <laughs> you got to read the card, but let me ask you quickly and then we'll get to this. I know Debo's saying, what are we doing here? But I, this is actually interesting. What, uh, Rick, are you calling like, are you, are, are you telling agents when they ask you, where do you think my guy's going to go? And you might say third round and they end up not getting drafted is or, like, how does that conversation happen? And why, why is there such disparity? Um, we don't, well, you don't, you're not talking, telling the agent what round their guys are going. You, you may like at the combine, you know, like if you're meeting with the agents and we used to meet with free agents, you know, on our guys, because it was illegal to meet with potential UFAs coming up until uh-huh. the legal temper period. Sure. But we would go through their their draft picks, and uh, I know you're going to uh, find this hard to believe, but I was very sarcastic with all the agents, and they did appreciate my sense of humor. So <laughs> no, they should be having a number. Of, Peyton Manning, uh, I talked to Tom Condon. Where do you think he's going to go? I, I would say fifth, sixth round. <laughs> <laughs> we can so you- a deal right now, give you 5000 for him to sign with us and get drafted. Yeah, you said that to somebody we talked to over the last few months, and they were like, what? Like they yeah. didn't, they didn't get it. Like they were a top. They're probably a first round pick. Maybe the combine you said it to them. Oh, I used to say it to the kids all the time. You know, these guys are. They, you know, I know they were going to run in the four fours and four threes. I said, if you can break a four seven, I think you have a chance. So you know, <laughs> and then they just look like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> but how is how is Lije hearing third round and then going undrafted? That's my question. I don't know if teams. I don't know what other guys do and tell the teams. You know. Um, but sometimes maybe they just wanted to get off the phone call. Oh yeah, he's going to be third round. Call me. Huh. Well, you know, it was crazy. So one, I, and, I, and I can tell the story. It was Jacksonville, right? And I don't know how you guys did it, Rick, but like when they have their booklet of all the prospects and stuff, I happened. I guess they had my page open because I was coming to visit that weekend. Now I don't know if this was games gamemanship by Jacksonville, but I had I saw that the they had the rating on there was third round. And that was the highest I had seen from any other team. So that's how I came. They didn't tell me directly them, gotcha. but I saw it on the booklet. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. You sure okay. it wasn't third round and free agency? <laughs> Is there such thing? <laughs> there, here he comes. He's taking shots, ain't he? He's taking real shots in the morning. <laughs> yeah. 
He's not like third on our board in college free agents. There's a CFA <laughs> right after that. You should have kept reading closer. <laughs> Legion on the street, mind his own business, and Rick's shooting BB guns at him from across the street. No. Nope. He is. Hey, by the way, before we go, I got to say something nice about Rick. What do you think? Rick said he was faster than his brother, Lee J. What do you think Rick's 40 time was? Ooh, it was hand time, so it was probably quick back then. <laughs> <laughs> Electric time wasn't even invented yet. We I didn't have cell phones so back he, they then. Probably, he probably ran into four sixes. Four oh, seven. look at that. Lee J knows what's up. Rick yeah. told me he ran the four sixes, so that you can add it two tenths of a second. So he ran four eight, but he tells people he tells people four six. I love it. That was official. Official. Debo, where are you at on the official Rick Spielman? 1970. No, what year would you run the what, what 87? 87, right? 87. Debo, where are you at on the 1987 4 6 40 time for Rick Spielman linebacker? I'll buy that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> look at that. No, it wasn't electric, you know, no, no electric, all hand. Yeah, they, they gave him 4 6 for sure. That's it, moving. It wasn't even the digital stopwatch, it just came out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's old, you know. <laughs> Mike Wallace did his 40 time. <laughs> All right, let's get to it. Finally, we're here, Debo. We goofed around there, but we talked football mostly. So I think that was good stuff. All right, AFC East. Start with the Jets. One of Lee J's teams here. So Debo, are these aggregate grades? How are these grades working here? These are AFC East is from Lee J and NFC East gotcha. is from Rick. All right, let's start with the, the Jets here. Lige, you gave the, the Jets a B. I'll go quickly through the draft picks in case people are listening. Will McDonald, edge rusher out of Iowa State. Uh, Joe Tittman, center out of uh, Wisconsin in the second round. Then they came back and got Carter Warren, the offensive tackle. He may move inside, perhaps we'll see, out of Pitt. Israel Abanaconda, the wide, uh, excuse me, the running back out of Pitt, who ran incredibly fast in four threes, I think, maybe even faster. Zaire Barnes. Where's Zaire Barnes go? Western Michigan Western linebacker. Michigan, yep. Yeah. Oh, and then they got our guy by way of Pete Prisco. Pete Prisco turned this on to the to Jarek Bernard Converse. He was he was trying to find holes in um Bryce Young's game. And Bernard Converse had a pick against him in the LSU game. He he's a long corner who who looked pretty good on tape. Not a lot of folks talking about him outside of Pete Prisco. So heads off to him. And then Zach Kuntz, seventh round tight end out of ODU. I thought he might have gone a little higher. He did not. Yeah, me too. So let me ask you this. You, you gave him a B, but do you think they got stuck with Will McDonald after the Patriots traded back, allowing the Steelers to trade up and get Broderick Jones? So I've been trying to figure this out, man, for the longest, Ryan, Rick. Um, how interested were the Jets into Broderick Jones, right? Because he was the last top tackle on the board when they were getting ready to pick at 15, and then New England picked in front of them and essentially gave away that pick to the yes, Steelers to, to move up. So I don't know if that was gamesmanship. By oh, Bill Belichick. Oh, it was so? for sure, Rick. <laughs> he was hey, like, "Well, the Jets are picking next, and you can you can uh, put it to your division rival." Yes, that's okay. I, the compensation for for the Steelers to trade up was ridiculous. Like it should have at least ridiculous. been a third round. It was only a fourth, fourth round pick to move up what three or four spots. <laughs> yep, absolutely. By the it way, if you're ridiculous. watching this on YouTube, you see the grades next to the, each individual player. That was our draft day in real time grades by either Pete Prisco in the first round or or, or guy Chris Rapasso in subsequent rounds. These aren't Lige's grades. Lige gave yeah. the overall grade a B. So go it. ahead, tell me about the rest of this class that you liked. Yeah, so uh, me and Rick, we talked about Will McDonald's. We're we're big fans of Will McDonald. I mean, I believe he set the record in sacks in the Big Twelve uh, with over 34 sacks in his career there. 
Um, they didn't use him really well this past year, right? Mm-hmm. They reduced him a lot, had him head up on the tackle. That's not what he does, right? You got to get him in the wide nine, let him get after the quarterback. This is a freak bendy athlete at 6'4", 245 pounds. I think he needs to add about five to 10 pounds to that frame. And I think they'll do that. I wouldn't even be surprised. And Rick, you can tell me what you think about this, right? Because I, how, how athletic he is, maybe just to get him on the field his first year, put him at Sam Backer and then on third mm. down, put him at, on the edge. I think that's something that he could do because unlike Ryan's guy, Nolan Smith, I believe he has the athletic ability to cover in space. No, yeah, that's and, right. and when you draft a guy that high, you're, you're trying to figure out ways to get him on the field early. Right. And he's he does need to add weight, but he uh, has a very high ceiling. And Jermaine Johnson was a little bit up and down last year for his first year as a first-round pick. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out as well. But he'll be definitely in a rotation on third-down situations. And, if, and I believe he's athletic enough where – Potentially, he's one of those defensive ends slash stand up in a two point and kind of move over the center and kind of move him around to try to create mismatches as a pass rusher inside. Not with his hand down, but from a stack position. Yeah, so, Lige, you don't. Oh, go, go ahead, Ryan. No, go ahead. Yeah, we see that more and more in the NFL, right? Getting guys that are athletic on guards to make them move in space, right? We see it with Zadarius Smith. Uh, B.J. Ojolari did it at LSU last year, so that's something I think. NFL teams are honing in on more specifically defensive coordinators because guards aren't used to having those athletic guys in open space. So if you can get a guy in a two point stance and make a guard block him in space where he's not used to doing that, where he's used to always being protected on the inside, then you get the mismatch you want. Like Rick is talking about where you get a guy like Will McDonald, who's athletic freaking nature, and he can really make some, uh, make some leeway inside at guard. So did you think, let me ask you, who do you think they were going to take at 15 after the Steelers took the, the offensive tackle, and, and were you shocked at the Will McDonald pick? I thought they were trading back, and there were rumors that I've heard that they were actually trying to trade back, but they decided that – and I talked to Robert Sala. He, they really loved Will McDonald, right? Mm-hmm. He he was a lot – he was higher on, I believe, NFL team boards than he was on the media draft boards, right? Yeah. I know for a fact Carolina, if he had gotten a pick 20, they were trying to call up to get him. He's so, sort of – he's Brian Burns' body. I don't know and, how he is. And, and they wanted him to play, you know, the opposite side. You know, they're going to that 3-4 now. So they wanted another guy on the other side opposite right. of Brian Burns, and they thought he would have been a perfect fit. But the Jets ended up taking him at 15 because they just thought he was too good. Now, do some people say it was a little reach? I had him around pick 20 to 25. Yeah. So, yes, it is a slight reach. But I think when you're in the position the Jets are in, right, when the offensive tackle Broderick Jones goes – if Will McDonald's high on your board, you take him, even though that's really not a need on your team because you have a lot of edge rushers already on the Jets. I just thought they went best player available. And and, and if you also look at it, Bryce Huff and Carl Austin on the last year of their deals. So mm-hmm. I think that was another reason why they did this. Hey, Rick, if you're sitting there as the Jets and you see Broderick Jones falling and then you see the, the Patriots give you the middle finger, are you <laughs> – what are you doing in the draft room? Are you angry? Like you said, you got mad one time and threw your little squishy ball against the wall. Is that one of those times you would do it or no? Uh, yeah, but you it, that's part of the gamemanship that goes on that people don't – that's not on the TV. I mean, you see these shots in the draft room, um, but that's part of the deal. If you sit there, then you've mm-hmm. got to expect that someone may jump up and get your guy. And if it was Broderick Jones, their guy, you know, and people didn't realize this, and we talked about it, on, I think, on the podcast, is that 
people, oh, okay, they only moved down two spots to 15. But that was a significant yeah, when we talked about that. Yeah. <laughs> of the that two spots, and you looked at all the threats, and all those tackles went right to New England. Um, and I wouldn't have been surprised if New England would have taken them if they weren't right. able to get that trade with uh, Pittsburgh. No, nope, absolutely. All right. Give us some other names here that you like. Uh, Joe Tippman was my center one. Uh, but tell me who else you, you eyeball in here on this list. Yeah, I mean, Israel Abanacanda, I think this could be the steal of the draft, guys. And I'm not just saying that as a homer. You talked about it, Ryan. <laughs> this guy's speed, for somebody that's 217, running sub 4-4, is ridiculous. You see it on tape. When he gets in the open field, it's lights out. You're not catching him. I think he's a perfect fit for this Nathaniel Hackett zone, Nathaniel Hackett zone scheme. I think he's also going to have some returnability and kick return. I would not be surprised if they stick him back there because of the long speed that he has. And also, we don't know Brees, uh, Brees Hall. We don't know how his injury is, if he's going to be able to return, because there was rumors the Jets really like Jameer Gibbs, and they were potentially going to draft him mm-hmm. at the number 15 spot. So, I mean, I don't know if that's an indication of Brees Hall's, you know, his recovery, or they just like Jameer Gibbs that much. But I think Israel Abanaconda uh, has a true potential to push if Brees Hall isn't ready to push Michael Carter and Bam Knight to, to start early this season. That's the type of home run ability that he has. Now, people will say he isn't a pure catcher of the football. I talked to somebody that was at his pro day. They said he caught the ball at ease. They just didn't use him like that at Pitt, right? They only gave him a few screens. They had another back that they used mainly on third down as far as throwing the ball to him. But you see it on tape. He has, he has the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. So I really like him. And then Zach Kuntz, uh, we talked about him too, right? We thought he would maybe go maybe in the fifth round, right? This is a freakish athletic tight end, 6'7", right? Can go up and get the football. Was surprised he was there in the seventh round. Now the Jets necessarily didn't need a tight end. They just took Jeremy Rucker the year before. And yeah. they also got uh, my guy Tyler Conklin and CJ Uzama as well. But those two dudes after this year, they'll be up on their deals as well. Or the Jets can potentially move on. From them, so I think Zach Kuntz is a sneaky pick in the seventh round for the Jets as well. Hey, hey Ricker, oh, yeah, go ahead. Can I asked uh, was Jay a question, of course. Um, and this is a philosophical question. Oh boy, uh, with the Jets trading for Aaron Rodgers, if they don't make it to the <clears> Super Bowl <throat> and make it to the playoffs, with the Super Bowl, do you think that is a bust or was that a still a good move to get Aaron Rodgers? If so it depends on what you say. So you say, do they have to make the playoffs or do they have to? No, the Super yeah, Bowl? I'm assuming playoffs are a given. But if they don't yeah. win the Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers by them pushing all their chips in, is this move a bust? I don't think it's a bust. Only one team can win the Super Bowl, Rick. Right. Yeah, and if, no, Aaron, but- if Aaron Rodgers plays at least two years, I think I think the compensation they gave up makes a lot of sense. Yeah, but aren't you having to start from scratch in two years? I mean, you're gonna you have to start off from scratch this year either way. You weren't gonna move forward with, with Zach Wilson. You feel like you have a top five defense, and Rick can speak to this. Each team, when they feel like they have a true run, you literally have two to three years, maybe four if you're lucky, depending on who the quarterback is. Right. So if you think these next two years with your top five defense, who should be even better now, right? Because now you have a viable quarterback back there, they're not gonna be as gassed in the fourth quarter. You feel like you have a top five defense, you know, a run game where Brees Hall coming back, right? You kind of fixed your offensive line. You added some pieces with Joe Tittman. They also brought in Billy Turner, who's real familiar with Aaron Rodgers, who's with him in Green Bay. You have the offensive rookie on the year on the outside and Garrett Wilson, right? You're like, we have a chance to make this run. Let's do this while all our pieces are young. 
they get Quentin Williams back in the fold because we heard that the deal was getting close, but now supposedly it's not getting close. They can't do anything on defense without having him there. He's literally he, – the defense is built around Quentin Williams. But if you're the Jets, you make this run for two years, right? And then maybe next year you draft the quarterback so we can sit one year behind Aaron Rodgers and learn. I know they're expecting Zach Wilson to sit there for two years, but it just doesn't make sense to me. I think they should move on because – if you look at it, you're not going to pick up Zach Wilson's fifth-year option. And after that, those two years, Zach is going to be a free agent. So you're going to just keep him on the roster for what? Like, what is the purpose of keeping him on the roster? Pouting. Also think, when you've been through what he's been through, and Rick has been this, sometimes a fresh start is what's needed. Like, you just need to move on and go somewhere fresh, see what type of conversation you can get for him. I would not be surprised next year if the Jets do take a quarterback. Uh, they probably won't have a first-round pick, but with that second-round pick. Mm. So, Rick... I know you don't like to deal in hypotheticals. If I called you and you're Joe Douglas and I said, I'll give you a fifth round pick for Zach Wilson. Are you interested in that? No. Good Lord. Wow. What do you want? Huh? What do you want? I don't, uh, I, I, I want a Ferrari. I want, uh, I want to have, a <laughs> I mean, but you gotta be, you gotta be a realist too. Yeah, you gotta be realistic in Vegas. I can't, I, you know, <laughs> So that's what you're saying when I call you as a GM, you're making up silly stuff about what you want? Yeah, why not? I don't <laughs> want to get rid of him. I don't have anyone behind. What if Aaron Rodgers gets hurt? And what okay. if and what if Aaron Rodgers turns Forty Wilson's, uh career on? Come on yeah. now. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. All right. I mean, I'm that's the only thing. They, the, two, the two years that he would do it, he's going to be a free agent. So what are you going to do? You're going to pay yeah. him? So, Elijah, you would be interested in the fifth round pick? If if I could get a fourth or fifth round pick for Zach Wilson, I I think you trade it. I mean, Joe Joe Douglas has done a really good job. I think he got what two thirds for Sam Darnold coming mm. off a terrible year. He got quarterback type of compensation for Jamal Adams. So he's he's, yeah. he's done a good job of fleecing other teams. I think this one is going to be hard to fleece anybody. To I mean, it would be. Medicine. Yeah, it would have to be off a team really banking on his potential, Zach Wilson's potential. I don't see a team giving up more than a, a fourth round, maybe a third round if you're lucky. Ooh. Yeah, third is rich. All right, Rick doesn't want to talk about it. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and hit the rest of these AFC East teams right after this. <laughs> All right, remember, if you're watching on YouTube, give us a little thumbs up there. Thanks for laughing, Rick, at a horror movie trailer. No. <laughs> that Paramount Plus looks like a heck of a, a, a subscription they have. <laughs> yeah, we just got an email from the from the boss that uh, Scream Six, I believe it is. There, it's doing great. One of the best Scream franchises, maybe the best so far. So I'll let you know how it goes when I watch. Hey, you got Paramount Plus? I do have Paramount Plus. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Rick, I'll tell you something. My grandmother told me you can attract more flies with honey than with vinegar. You think about that. What that means mm. and why why we have Paramount Plus and you don't. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, Patriots. We'll go through these a little quicker because we've got to get through a whole other division, too. I'll go through uh, quickly who they drafted. In case you're listening, don't remember. Christian Gonzalez, they traded down to get the Oregon cornerback. Then they got my guy, Keon White, in the middle of the second round. Edge rusher out of Georgia Tech, 280 pounds or so. And then my other guy, Rick, Marty Mapu, mm. who I love out of Sac State, probably going to go from safety to linebacker. Jake Andrews is the most Patriots pick ever in the fourth round. Uh, interior <laughs> offensive lineman out of Troy. <laughs> then they got crazy here, Rick. They drafted a kicker, Chad Ryland out of Maryland. Uh, City So out of Eastern Michigan, a, a, a earth-moving interior offensive lineman. Same with uh, Antonio Mafia out of UCLA. Kayshawn Booty, interesting. We'll see how that works out. He feels like a long shot. Uh, Six-round pick, had first-round buzz back in the 
uh, back in the fall. And then finally, they got uh, punter uh, Bryce Berenger uh, in round six. Demario Douglas, a little speedy, undersized wide receiver at Liberty. Uh, Amir Speed, cornerback out of Michigan State. And then Isaiah Bolden, another cornerback out of Jackson State. All right, tell me what you like about this, uh, Lee J. I mean, getting Christian Gonzalez at the pick they got him, I don't think anybody – you know, before the draft, thought he was going to be there at pick 17. I mean, this is a big, rangy corner who was just a fluid athlete, right? He's going to fit really good in with that Bill Belichick system. They play a lot of man coverage. He can do that, right? And the question marks that people had about him coming into the draft was, could he take the ball away, right? And mm-hmm. he quelled that this year for interceptions. I believe two went to the house, or at least one, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Keon White, man, to me, is a Bill Belichick pick, right? athletic freak of nature um just hasn't put his game together right as far as hand usage um he's played outside played inside believe at 285 ran a four i believe like a four five nine or four six at the at the pro day in georgia tech so he's a freak athlete man like bill belichick is going to be able to move him up and down the line of scrimmage I'm like you, Marte Mapu's is was my guy. I, I loved him at the senior bowl. He got the call up from the NFLPA game. And Rye and, and Rick we were out there. He was he was straight stunting dudes at linebacker. Now you talked about it, right? He has the flexibility to play safety and linebacker. I think he kind of he know who he reminds me of is Kyle Duggar uh-huh. right? for the Patriots. Right. Yeah. That's literally who he reminds me of. Um and Duggar played a lot of dime linebacker for them this last year. I don't think that's what Marte Mapu can do as well for them. Uh, and it was weird, right? Because I thought going into the draft, they would maybe look at the tackle position, but they went all interior offensive line yeah. for all three of their picks in like the fourth round, which was a little weird. And they all fit gap scheme type offensive linemen, right? City So is a you know earth mover, like you talked about. I don't know. Mafe is another guy who's really good on double teams. Um, struggles in open space, though, at times. And Jake Andrews is a guy that played right guard and center at Troy. He's a guy that will get after you as well, too, but has struggled with short area quickness guys on tape. So it looks like, you know, with you know them bringing in their, you know, coordinator Bill O'Brien, that they're, they're going to play mainly gap scheme, depending on, I mean, if you look at the draft and the guards they got, right, they're not really right. zones type guards, right? It looks like they're going to try to ram it down your throat with double teams and G schemes. So I actually like the, um, the, the Mario Douglas. That's to me is a Patriot pick as well. Smaller slot guy, punt return ability. Yeah. Um, so he, he fits the mold of what the Patriots have always done, taking them smaller receivers, especially in late rounds. Cause I mean, I think Edelman was a late six or seven round pick as well too. Yeah. That was a slot guy and punt return guy. So, I mean, this was to your point, Ryan, this was a Patriots draft all the way, right? The guys that they drafted fit the Patriots mold. Uh, just a clarification here. You must be doing PR for Ke- Keon. I'm looking up his pro day numbers. Uh, six, almost six, five, two eighty one. Uh, 34 inch arms, but he ran a four seven nine. You gave him a four five. But oh wow, I, I must have read that wrong. Somebody put out there he ran like a four six zero. Hey, he'll take it if you want to tell tell people that. <laughs> hey, Rick, let me ask you about Kayshawn Booty. We talked about he came out, tried to go back, and then he came out again. Um, I think maturity was one of the concerns that LSU people had with him. What are the realistic expectations for someone who went in the sixth round and is not necessarily explosive at wide receiver? Probably last year at this time, we were talking about him being one of the top receivers in this class. Yep. And you looked at him this year and the inconsistencies, not only on his effort, but his ability to catch the ball. I don't know how many drops, especially earlier in the season when I watched and he was just a guy this year. So 
But when you have guys that are athletic, and I don't know what he ran, but uh, when you had productive guys in the past and you're in these sixth, seventh rounds, we always used to take a swing on guys because you have about 11% chance of hitting on sixth and seventh rounders. And if you can hit on one, then it's a successful class. So we used to take a lot of swings down there in the later rounds. And he may be one of those guys that if he can get back to where he was two years ago, uh, that they may have hit on a gem. Yeah. So 5'11, 195 at the combine. He ran a 4.50 there. He had a 7.14 uh, three cone at his pro day. And, and that's that's not great. That's average, a little below average. But the 4.5 is faster than I thought. So that's something you can work with. And to your point, Rick, if you get him where he was before, and what better place to go than New England to sort of refine yourself? Um, that's a possibility to to make a football team and then start making plays. And by the way, Lee J, you gave the Patriots a B on their total draft, just like the Jets. Let's move to the Bills. Didn't love them quite as much. You gave the Bills a C. Mm, 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 mm. That's what someone's. Oh, you played for the Bills though, so you you yeah. got did that not go good for you? That's why you. I got love. For, I got love for Bills Mafia. Okay. All right, so they took Dalton Kincaid in the first round. Tied in out of Utah. Our guy, Osiris Torrance, the guard out of Florida, who slipped a little bit to the bottom of the second round. Dorian Williams, this dude can play. The linebacker out of Tulane. He's a spark plug, and he'll pop you in the mouth. Sideline to sideline guy. Uh, Justin Shorter, the wide receiver out of Florida in round five. I wonder if his future is sort of like Jawan Jennings uh, has been going from uh, wide receiver to sort of wide wide receiver slash tight end. He put on a few pounds when we saw him at at the pro day in Florida. He looked good. He was just thicker. Uh, Nick Broker, the guard out of Ole Miss, went in round seven. And then Alec, uh, Alex Austin, the cornerback out of Oregon State, they took with their their final pick in round seven. So so tell me why this this crew gets a C for their their draft. I, I didn't understand why they traded up for Dalton Kincaid. Uh, when you got Dawson Knox there, right? And a lot of people assumed that they would be in the receiver realm. And maybe they just want to do more 12 personality uh personnel which is you know one back two tight end sets and Dalton Kincaid again we've talked about this he's not going to block a soul at all but (laughs) but his catching ability is is definitely there the the only thing is and Rick we talked about this too right he's an older guy has the back issue like are you that comfortable taking trading up for a guy that's older that has a back issue because I don't even know Ryan maybe you can correct me on this did he end up doing any pre-workouts for for the draft because he got cleared by dr watson i don't think he ended up ever running or anything he didn't do anything though no it is uh he had fractures in his back and those supposedly all cleared teams all the teams i talked to yeah he didn't do anything you're right and the only thing that i'm thinking of because it was like i think zay jones was already off the board but i thought potentially a receiver here but yeah they may be thinking, and you're right, I mean, he'll block in space. He's just not going to block at the line of scrimmage. But are they going to use him as a big slot because of his receiving skills and try to create mismatches as a slot-type receiver? And then it forces defenses to say, well, are we going to put a tight end on or are we going to put a linebacker on him? We're going to put a safety on him. So I think if I was thinking through this, that maybe the Kincaid is going to be like their big slot receiver because mm. that's what he does best. And he's athletic after the catch and, you know, everybody knows what he can do in the passing game. So I'm looking at it as if you have him and Knox on the field at the same time, what, what type of, are you, what, what personnel are you counting that as? Are you, mm. are you, so that's, that was the only reason. Are you counting it as two tights? 11, uh, 11 big. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> how, how are you going to is it 11 or is it 12 or, 
personnel and just for Ryan, so he understands football a little better. When you say twelve <laughs> personnel, it's one running back, two tight two ends. Tight ends. What is thirteen personnel, Rick? Huh? One what running thir- back, three tight ends. Oh, that's how it works. Gotcha. Thank you. Okay, and it's eleven <laughs> big personnel. It's one tight end, one running back, and a big slot receiver. Correct. You have three wide receivers out there. Rick, when Rick played back in the day, they ran a lot of fifty personnel. If I'm doing doing my math right. (laughs) You like that one, Rick? Yeah, Uh, personnel, which you never see anymore. Hey, Rick, Dalton Kincaid is going to be 24 in October. You care about that or no? I I think it's still young enough. 25 was our cutoff age um, as for uh, an alert for age. But he's 24, and then he'll play right away. But I don't know if they're going to count that. I think they're going to count that teams, depending on how well he does in the passing game, is 11 personnel instead of uh, 12 personnel. Okay. Hey, let me ask you this um, before we move on, uh, Lijay. Osiris mm-hmm. Torrance, how are, you, how are you beating him if you're lined up against him? Well, first of all, I mean, I think a lot of people were surprised he slipped, but then there's supposedly something came back with his knees. Maybe something might be wrong with his knees. So if you're Buffalo, you're comfortable taking him at that spot, right? Because it's late in the second round and you're you're banking on the guy that you saw on tape for the last Mm -hmm. few years, right? This is a massive man that's just really hard to get around. You got to beat him on the edge. I mean, Jalen Carter had a really good battle with him and Jalen Carter was coming off an injury when they played. Uh, this past year, right? You got to you got to make him move in space. You guys like that, they don't like moving in space. You got to got to make them move their feet, right? He he latches on to you, and it's over because he's mm-hmm. that strong at the line of scrimmage. So you got to be able to make him be athletic in space, and that's where he has struggled at times. But as far as like pure power at the line of scrimmage, this guy gets his hands on you. It's over. So you just hope that everything checks out with the knee injury. And then the Dorian Williams picked, I really love, especially because they lost Jermaine Edmonds yeah. to the Chicago Bears. This guy is going to be an ace on special teams, but he has a chance to be a starter from day one with Milano next to him because mm. of his ability to cover in space, because the physical presence that he brings at, at the line of scrimmage when he comes downhill. And the, just the pure speed, Ryan, you talked about it. This guy is stupid fast for a linebacker. <laughs> so I, I love that pick for them, especially because it was a need they had on their team. And the takeaway, Rick, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, late third round for Dorian Williams at that position is an indication that you don't have to draft an off-ball linebacker in the first round unless it's right. really special. I don't know. You just got to – it's almost like the running backs, these off-the-ball linebackers are yeah. – I don't want to say they're getting devalued, but they're you, – you can find those easier. Mm-hmm. So. Right. Positions that you can find throughout the draft may get devalued, and I don't want to get into the running back. We'll talk about that to death because the first two are more than just running backs. Don't be prejudiced towards them. They're playmakers. They're offensive playmakers, not just running backs, and that's a whole different category. Are you okay taking uh, Torrance late second given the medical? Yeah, I think he, he fell, one, because of the medical, and there were some things that I heard that were more than just the knees. And two, uh, I go against Pete Prisco, as I think he's a guard only, and he can potentially play right tackle, which I would bet Pete a dollar that he cannot. Uh, all right, let's go to the Dolphins here. I have here. $7 in my pocket from Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> I got yet to get paid. I paid you in the coffee. I got you all uh, hopped up on the coffee. <laughs> I paid $16 worth of coffee for you could have your little hipster moment. <laughs> but I'll send you, I'll Venmo you. As soon as you get Venmo, I'll Venmo you 7 bucks. <laughs> That's I Venmo in my uh, 92-year-old neighbor's yard. That's what I Venmo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, these dad jokes. All right. 
Dolphins, you gave them a C, Liger. They only had four picks. Yeah. Um, they got in trouble. They traded away some for Cheetah, so uh, they were down to nothing. Uh, Cam Smith, the cornerback out of South Carolina, I heard maturity issues were, were a big reason why he fell. So I thought he went higher than perhaps he, he would end up going when they took him. Yeah. Devin, uh, Devin A. Chain went the third round. This guy has legit track star speed. Uh, Elijah Higgins, sixth round. Another guy who may end up being moving from wide receiver to Correct. closer to the line, of script, to, the, to the ball, I should say, whether tight end or H-back or wherever they want to move him. And finally, Ryan Hayes, uh, the, the offensive lineman out of Michigan, went with their final pick in the seventh round. Um, what do you think about this? Yeah, I thought first and foremost they needed more offensive line help, right? If you look at what they've done, they really didn't help to it at all as far as protection, right? They took Cam Smith. I'm with you. I thought he was more of a third-round pick, Cam Smith. I thought it was a little bit of a reach to take him yeah. that high in the second round. Now, Iganagabi, now he was a former first-round pick for them, and he just hasn't planned out for them, right? to say the least, right? So I see where they're going with that because they got the two guys on the outside. They're thinking maybe with Cam Smith, we have three corners now that can hold it down. So I get it. The, the, the Devin A. Chain, it's a, it's a Mike McDaniel pick, right, yep. 100%. But it's just like you have a track team in your backfield already, and you talked about his speed, right? Well, you know, Jeff Wilson and also Raheem Mostert, these guys can fly still. Yeah. They proved it last year. I think combined they rushed for over 1,600 yards. So, I mean, it was, again, I think Mostert's on a one-year deal, and I think Wilson's on a two. So I get it from that standpoint. But, again, if you feel like you really have a team, I thought – they could maybe build up some depth on their offensive line because, you know, they've really struggled there uh, on offensive line with, you know, with Robert Hunt, you know, Connor Williams inside at center. Um, they they needed some help. I mean, Austin Jackson has struggled at right tackle for them as well. So mm -hmm. I thought they could do a better job of maybe getting some offensive line depth. I think Ryan Hayes is a sneaky pick in the seventh round. I liked him out of Michigan, right? Yeah, yeah, I think that's a sneak. And I, and I was telling some of the beat writers down in Miami, I was like, watch this dude, man, like, he can play ball like that. I think that's great value getting him in the seventh round. I would not be surprised if he made the team this year. What do you think, Rick? I thought it was actually for the, the only picks they had. You could, you got to throw Ramsey in there, which I gave an A. Yeah, that's you got to throw Chubb in there, which was also uh, this a year pick, pick from this year. Yeah. Oh, so you have to kind of add those guys into this draft class. And Cam Smith, uh, although he has some. Um, whatever character issues that people were concerned about, he still can run and cover. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which is, you, say, uh, Rick, you, get away, you get away with a little bit more where you can play yeah. ball. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, we'll take him. He's a, he can run and cover. He's still running. He doesn't have to come in and play right away with Howard and with uh, Ramsey. That's two pretty good shutdown corners. And I think they're trying to build for now. And the only thing I'll say about HA, it is a McDaniel pick because that's the size of all their running backs. Mm -hmm. But the little running backs get dinged up. Wilson gets dinged up. Moser gets dinged up. So mm -hmm. I could see them adding depth. And these type of running backs fit the scheme that they try to run offensively in the run game. So, And then Ryan Hayes, I think, will be a, a, a backup swing tackle but may develop as he gets stronger. But he does have all the uh, – checks all the other boxes for you to, to improve. So I think he has a higher ceiling that, that may uh, surprise some people, especially where, right. where they got him. So I disagree with you on the C. <laughs> okay. What would you give it? I would give it a, at least a B. And okay. if you want to throw big, cause you got to throw in Chubb and you got to throw in Ramsey too, when you look at this thing, 
All right. And all those guys have potential to help them. They don't have to. They got a pretty good, you know, I understand the offensive line woes. But when you have dudes like A-Chain and those guys, sometimes running backs can, can make the offensive line look better. They said we had one of the best offensive lines when I was scouting in Detroit. Well, it was because Barry, no one can touch Barry Sanders. <laughs> All they had to do was hold him for a half a second, and Barry was gone or making someone miss. So running backs can make the offensive line better. I remember 2008 season, the Steelers needed to draft offensive linemen. They ended up taking uh, Richard Mendenhall out of Illinois, and then Limus Swede, the big wide receiver out of Texas in round two. And Tomlin said, you can win with traditionally with offensive linemen to protect your quarterback, or you can get playmakers around them. Now, they won the Super Bowl that year, but I think Roethlisberger took something like 400 sacks. So it's a trade-off. It's a trade-off. you got to have a big, strong quarterback as well. And they had that, too. Obviously, a struggle to stay healthy. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back, and we'll get to the NFC East and get Rick's grades. Remember, thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube. Five-star review. Greatly appreciated. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Rick, let's start with the Eagles. I don't know if Debo changed this grade or this is the actual grade you gave them, but he has them with an A, and you know we've talked this draft to death. So Debo has a question for you coming from uh, NFL.com slash Fox Sports slash everywhere. Peter Schrager. He reported that some general managers are getting annoyed with how much praise Eagles GM Howie Roseman is receiving. How do you feel about that? Do you care if you're another general manager and you see one of your buddies getting praised for being a genius and you're over there busting your hump and you're not getting the recognition you deserve, Rick? No, because next year you can be the biggest dumb butt in the world. <laughs> dumb butt. <laughs> they call him a dumb butt. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so right now he's, he's on top of the mountain. Take the king out then. Go out and beat yeah. him. And so, you know what, Lee You know who uh, who drafted Jalen Rager? Howie Roseman. You I was gonna who? say people people forget before they won that Super Bowl. I believe the seventeen year they were they were ready to try to get rid of uh, Howie Roseman before that. Is so, that true, Devo? You want to get rid of Howie? No, I think Chip Kelly, Jason uh, Kelsey said it in his parade speech. You know, they banished Howie Roseman to a to a closet during the Chip <laughs> Kelly era. That's what I'm trying to tell you. They to were re-emerge for Doug Peterson. <laughs> so Chip Kelly had he had complete control. Yes. Oh gosh, that's a recipe for that. That never almost never works. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how how does that even possible, Rick? In terms of trying to juggle you, you were busy 24 hours a day. How are you going to coach a football team and do the personal? Can't do it today. Maybe back 10 years ago, you can do it. The even 10 years ago, you could do it. Belichick's probably the only one that's had success, but it's starting to catch up a little bit with New England. Yeah. We don't have a Tom Brady, too. Mm. Yeah, because that, that quarterbacks also. can actually put lipstick on a pig that hides a lot of warts, too. <laughs> so you need Tom Brady, you need Barry Sanders, and everything else will take care of itself is what I mean. Yeah, and then that covers a lot of warts. So. <laughs> so you even think a decade ago someone could do both those jobs? I think because of the way it is evolved, because there's so much evolved in the general manager's job. Like I said, 20% of my job was personnel. 80% was everything else. And it's all structured differently within different organizations. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's a job that is different than it was, you know, 10 years ago. All right, let's get to this Eagles draft quickly. You just just tell me a, a guy you, you like. We've talked to, this, to death, Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith, but if you want to talk about them, you certainly can. Keely Ringo was a fourth-round pick. They signed Eli Ricks in free agency, uh, the LSU to Alabama transfer, who didn't get drafted. That was sort of a surprise. Tanner McKee is an interesting selection. They yeah. got the sixth round, the quarterback out of Stanford, who looks nothing like any other quarterback on that team. <laughs> I don't know what his role is going to be. What, what do you want to hit here? Yeah, I think that just they just – 
the board board fell to them. I mean, to get a Ringo in the fourth round when he was one of the considered one of the top corners, and you know he got a lot of holes poked in him uh, down this pre-draft process. Uh, mm. But that's great value. Sidney Brown, I thought, was great value. Is he the yeah. next Chauncey Gardner? Um, you know, and then Tyler Steen is an underrated offensive lineman. They can play multiple positions. He needs the little, uh, I would just say, more grit to his game, just finishing guys off. But he's big and he's athletic and he's smart. And he can play a bunch of offensive line positions. And then yeah. as long as you have the Georgia and the and you can bring those Georgia kids into that culture and they seem mm-hmm. to have a strong leadership with signing Cox back, uh, with signing Graham back, with Kelsey at center. They've got the veteran leadership to take some of the risk on some of these guys to kind of put them in. And and N'Kobe Dean, who didn't have a big role last year, will have a huge role, but he was an A-plus character guy that uh, yeah. I think all these Georgia kids looked up and respected. I should have made a dollar bet, Rick, that Sidney Brown would go before Keely Ringo. I'd have made $1,000 off of you. You never would have believed that in a million years. Hey, well, yeah. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let me ask you, Lijay, about their if final the pick. Queen had, uh, I can't go down that road. Never mind. <laughs> if a frog had wings, he wouldn't bump his butt when he hops. That's what that's what they say in North Carolina growing up. Uh, uh, Lijay, let me ask you about seventh rounder Moro Jomo. I don't know if you got a chance to saw, see him or not. Oh, yeah. All right. Tell me what you think about him because six two and a half, two ninety three, thirty four and three eighths inch arms, and he looks the part. He looks like a dude that's just learning what he could do with his body. Yeah, he kind of reminds me of the Milton Williams kids they already had, right? Uh, Flexibility guy that can play on the edge and play inside, too. I actually had him as, like, a fifth-round pick, right? So, like like Rick said, the board just fell to them really well. I think that's great value getting him in the seventh round. He's a guy that plays with some strength inside as a pass rusher, but also he can give you some edge flexibility. Now, I think for the Eagles, they'll use him just like they use – uh, Milton Williams and they'll play him mostly inside. I don't think he'll play outside because they just they just they're just so deep at the edge position right now, especially because they took Nolan Smith too this past year. Mm-hmm. So I think he'll play mainly inside. They need more depth there anyway. Yeah, yep, and no, they right. get a little bigger and stronger. I don't think he's the athletic type that plays in that defense from the edge, yeah. but give him some flexibility. Yeah, I'm looking at my notes here. Struggles with time to get off blocks, but you can see the athleticism on tape just needs to put it all together to the next level. And what better place to do it than in a, in a room where you got what feels like 40 people that you can rotate through and you don't Literally. have to do it all day one. <laughs> all right, Eagles get an A. Congratulations, Debo. You keep on winning, except when it comes to the Super Bowl. All right, let's move to the Commanders. <laughs> Had to get that in real quick. Debo is so grumpy today. All right, you gave the Commanders a B. And let's go through these picks here. Oh, man, the first. how do you give them a B? These first two picks are absolute home runs. <laughs> so they got my guy, your guy, Rick. You turned me on to him, I'll be honest. Emmanuel Forbes, the uh cornerback out of Mississippi State, 166 pounds, almost 6'1, ran to the four threes, six pick sixes in his career, and that certainly gets your attention. And then Jartavius, Quay Martin. Played alongside our guy, our other guy, Devin. We got a lot of guys, Devin Witherspoon and Sidney Brown in the backfield. Uh slot can play some deep, can play some outside. Uh, Rick Stromberg, uh, the interior offensive lineman from Arkansas, went in round five. They didn't have a pick in round three or four. Um, oh, no, they did. Sorry. I think I missed it. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, and pick, they had two picks in round four. Uh, they got KJ Henry, who's a sneaky good pick here. Edge rusher out of Clemson. Went to the senior bowl. He was good there. Braden Daniels played outside at Utah, maybe, maybe plays inside uh, at the next level. Also a fourth round pick. 
Chris Rodriguez, the um, I call him, I'm not trying to be a jerk, but poor man's Benny Snell out of Kentucky. Maybe some people think he's better. Um, six round pick. And then Andre Jones, the edge rusher out of Louisiana in round seven. Why, why did this crew get a B, Rick? Well, I like the first two because they needed a corner and mm-hmm. they got a corner. They needed a free safety to go along with curl. They got the free safety. I think they'll move him to free safety and let him do his deal. Okay. So those were really good picks. And then I think it kind of fell off a little bit. I wasn't as high on uh, Stromberg. I still think he needs to get stronger, although he's a decent athlete. Uh, and Brandon Daniels was one of my sleeper guys, um, but because he plays hard, he's over aggressive, he's athletic. He's going to have to move inside the guard and get bigger. So the rest of them were kind of project guys where, if you look at some of the guys still on the board, uh, I probably would have went a different direction uh, with some of the talent still up on the board. But I understand them trying to get some offensive line help. Uh, they need that. And then the last two picks, I just think they were throwing darts. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> I do. I do th- I'm with you on the Stromberg pick. I'm looking. At, I had him going like fifth round. He had him going late third. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Lige, tell me about KJ Henry because no one's really talking about him when you talk about yeah. that Clemson defensive line, and he was sneaky doing some things. Yeah, he's like the forgotten man on that, yeah. that D line for Clemson. Uh, but the thing with him, Ryan, he's really good against the run, but he literally is all speed, the power, and pass rush. And and Rick, we talked about this before. Is like for all the talent that Clemson has, they I, I would just think they would be more proficient in their hand usage right. um, with some of these college coaches. But uh, KJ Henry, and I think another thing that was working against him is I think he's going to be 25 when the season starts. So I know Rick, you talked about that earlier, that being kind of like your cutoff spot yep. as far as like drafting a guy. And I think that's why he went all the way in the fifth because he is an older guy. Um, but he plays with great effort, plays extremely hard, plays really well against the run. Just uh, just on pass rush, you're going to get speed to power with him. That's hey, what it, so so what does out. that mean? What, is, what does just speed to power only mean? I mean, literally on tape, you see him. He, he goes right down the middle of guys, right? He, yeah. you, you rarely see him working the edges. And in, in this game, like, you're not just going to overpower Lane Johnson, play yep. in and play out. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Like, you got to be able to get on the edge and switch things up. And that's why I think, you know, Miles Murphy has a higher ceiling because you see him with the long arm, but he counters off that long arm with the, the you know, the stab slap. And he just needs to be more efficient in that. But KJ Henry, you really don't see any counters off of, off his speed to power. No, because I think he's he's a little tight as an athlete to come out with counters. Now he's going to give you everything he has, but Correct. going to rush down the middle of dudes. And I understand guys learn how to rush the passer, but I still think he's going to be limited because he's Ooh. not that bend and flexibility that the great pass rushers have. Now, he'll maybe win a two, a snap or two on uh, effort in the energy that he plays with. But those dudes up at the next level now, and you know this, as soon as they lock their hands on you and you don't have a counter, it's over. <laughs> it's yep. over. Yeah. No, Rick, you might, you and Lee J both might know what you're talking about here. I'm looking at his, uh, he, he turned 24 in January, so he'll be 25 uh, at the end of next season. So I'll give him that. But his three cone was 747, and that's, that's iceberg slow. Like that's, that's a problem in terms of Twitch. That's like a cruise ship turning, trying to make a turn in the Harbor. And that, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a good Leger, analogy. That's, that's Leger's point. So you <laughs> Killing the guy. I liked him too. The Super Bowl. I thought he could see Bowl. but your point Leger is that if you're not turning on a dime, you're just going through the middle of guys and trying to win with power. You're not going to win at the next level. Guys are too, too good. They're too efficient with their fundamentals and they're too strong. It's not yeah. going to happen. He's 6'4", 251 at his pro day, so that's not even big enough to be, to be moving 
offensive yeah. lineman in the NFL consistently anyway. There's only one guy that was that size coming out that I saw consistently do that with speed to power, and that's um, my guy, Khalil Mack. Ooh, yeah. And he's not Khalil Mack. No. <laughs> so, Rick, at age 24 and a half, and your pass rush arsenal is basically your one-trick pony, can you fix as as a defensive line coach? Now, as they used to say, if I can put it correctly, uh, you're urinating up a rope. i've never heard that one to try to fix it i got a bunch of them (laughs) all right well kj i'm your dude these two guys here they they got some issues i I got i got faith in i love him he plays extremely hard he does play hard but he's just energy and effort yeah yep i was energy and effort guy that's right you know you know all too well it's sort of like, like like you don't prop up the energy and effort guys, Rick, even though that's you were, and much in the same way that Pete Prisco hates short people that play football. Like he refuses to to support people that, that are his people. Like he should be all over Bryce Young. Yeah, the ironies in life. <laughs> all right, let's go to the Giants. You gave them an A, and um, I think it's pretty easy to see why, but let's go through this. First round pick, they took Tay Banks, cornerback out of Maryland. He came. He didn't come out of nowhere. We were talking about his his teammate at the beginning of the of the fall, and he had a really good season. Pete's uh, Pete Rick's favorite player on planet Earth, John Michael Schmitz, the center out of Minnesota, goes in round two. Uh, Jalen Hyatt, the speedster, ends up going in round three. Undersized, not undersized. He's skinny. He's he's plenty tall and, and plenty fast. Just needs to gain some weight. Uh, Rick's other favorite guy, Eric Gray, the running back, goes in the fifth round out of Oklahoma. Uh, Gervarius, uh, excuse me, Owens. Out of Houston, the safety there goes in, in round seven. Um, Jordan Riley, defensive lineman of Oregon, also in round seven. And then the round before that, Trey Hawkins, cornerback out of ODU, goes in round six. So tell me why this is an A, Rick. Because I loved every one of their picks from one, two, three, four, and five. And then six and seven, you're taking some shots on some guys with some upside. But every one of those guys will come in and have an immediate impact on that roster. And when you could put Gray with uh, Barkley, uh, mm-hmm. you get a corner to play it that fits your scheme. Yep. Uh, that that's a that you know Dante Banks was a no brainer to get you know get that pick there. So I'm not even going to talk about John Michael Schmidt. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. it's a day one starter. Every one of those guys I think will come in and have an immediate impact on that football team. So I gave him an A. Let me ask you, uh, Lige, what, how do you like Jalen Hyde here? Because they have a bunch of short receivers on that team. Kenny yeah. Galladay didn't work out. I feel like Jalen Hyde's exactly what they needed. Yeah, they needed somebody that could stretch the field, down the field. That's going to also open the box up for Saquon Barkley, right? Because we saw teams stack that box, not only for Saquon Barkley, because Daniel Jones showed last year his ability to run the football as well. Now you got a, a true speed guy that you could put in that slot and just run that safety off, Rick, right? Keep yep. him down the middle in that post. So, a lot of people had this guy potentially. Well, you know, media guys had this guy going in the first round. No, I did. Go all, yeah, yeah. For him to go all the way to the third, that's great value to get him in the third round. I'm with uh, uh, Rick. You know, the Giants knocked it out of the park with this drive. Deontay Banks literally fits what Wink Martindale wants to do on defense. Right, get in your face, get up in your face, one on one on that island, and and now he, he has to work on some fundamental stuff, right? Because I believe he had eight penalties last year. I think five uh, DPIs and three holding penalties but you know they can coach him up on some things he's a really good football player i'm with rick we you know our affinity for john michael smith i wanted to just take him before they took tipman but mm-hmm. i think tipman's a better fit in that scheme for them as far as his athletic ability john michael smith sometimes struggles at the second level getting to linebackers but there's nobody i'd really want on my team as far as a guy like john michael smith he's going to finish 
not to the end of the whistle, through the echo of the whistle is when he's going to finish play in and play out. Hyatt was a good pick, and I think Gray is going to compliment um, Saquon Barkley really well, as as Rick said. Yeah, John Michael Schmitz is a wrestler, incredibly smart, and, uh, you know, Rick tried to give him the, the sarcastic chit-chat pre-interview. Pre, uh, he wasn't even hearing it. He put Rick in a, in a a little bear hug, and Rick couldn't even. He almost he put Rick him in the full Nelson. Him. Put him in the full yeah, Nelson. Why rush him down the middle. He can't. He can't <laughs> rush this guy down the middle. He can't rush him down the middle. <laughs> All right, A for the Giants. I think it's the only A we've had. Oh, the Eagles got an A because Debo was was great. Well, team. yeah, Debo told me if I give anything less than an A, I'd be kicked off the podcast. You would get your Paramount Plus subscription. <laughs> I won't get my Paramount. Oh Plus my goodness! Hey, Rick, I'll tell you something. A little birdie, <laughs> a little birdie higher up on the org chart than us sent me a note the other day and said, do you want me to get Rick a Paramount Plus subscription? Yeah. And I, I'm i serious. And my response was, uh, absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> he hasn't <laughs> but, it yet. <laughs> but someone's, someone's asking, asking questions about it. All right, the Cowboys, the final team that we'll talk about here. Uh, NFC East, got a B. B as in, oh boy. All right, Maz, uh, Mozzie Smith went in round one. As our dude Pete Prisco predicted, he got one right. Uh, who would have, by the way, who would have bet that Mozzie Smith got drafted higher than Will Levis? Like that's, that's another dollar bet I should have made, Rick. Yeah. Well, put all these notes down. So next year you can <laughs> right perform now. better. When I get my, when I get my uh, time machine, I'm going to crush you on this dollar bet thing. All right. Then they took Luke Schoonmaker in round two. That was a little high for, for mm-hmm. me. I had heard that he might go that high. They had to fill a need after Dalton Schultz left. I'd like Schoonmaker. Um, there were other tight ends that are sort of in that same grouping that we've talked about throughout. So I'm not going to ding them too much for that. Uh, then they got DeMarvian overshone in the third round, another great off ball linebacker went around the range, uh, that the Tulane linebacker went to the bills that we talked about earlier. Correct. Uh, then, who we got here? We got Pete's guy. We got Lijay's mm-hmm. guy. Uh, Junior Pete, Fajoko. It's Pete's guy, too. Pete loved him, too. Pete loved him, too. Junior Fajoko out of San Jose State, round four. Uh, round five, Asim Richards, the, the interior offensive lineman out of North Carolina. I didn't like him quite as much as the Cowboys, but who knows <laughs> what that means. Eric Scott, defense back out of Southern Miss. Deuce Vaughn, running back, Kansas State. He went in the end of round six. We saw how that unfolded in the draft room in real time. His dad uh, got to make that phone call, very emotional. This was, by the way, Emory Hunt's running back three. Emory said crazier things than that, so we'll keep going. And then Jalen Brooks. Jalen Brooks, the wide receiver. Oh, my wide receiver out of South Carolina was their final pick in round seven. All right, Rick, tell us why this is a B. Well, I did like because they did fill some needs. They uh, traded for Cooks. They traded for Gilmore. Uh, corner, so they they helped themselves there. I did. I just thought Mozzie Smith's a two down nose right now that may turn into a pass rusher um, because he has the athletic skill set. And I wish he'd play hard every snap. But someone yeah. pointed out to me when when a defensive lineman is playing eighty snaps a game, he won't have to play eighty snaps a game when he gets to the NFL. So. Hmm. Not that they're making excuses, but then I can understand. Well, yeah, how, how can a guy this size play, you know, uh, X to the wall, uh, you know, 80 snaps at this this size. So I think in a rotation, he may be better. He's got to get a little bit better as a pass rusher. You know, as, uh, who was really excited about this, um, Micah Parsons was, and they asked me, why do you think Micah Parsons was so excited about uh, Mozzie Smith? Mm. And the point I made and. <laughs> Was, yeah, you can correct me if I'm wrong, although I don't care if you correct me. <laughs> but when edge rushers 
know that the quarterback's not going to be able to step up in the pocket. It's going to keep them back and force them one way or another where they can't escape up or step up. Mm. It makes the edge rushers more productive. And I think Mozzie Smith's strong enough to collapse the pocket where it's not going to give these quarterbacks the ability to step up in the pocket, which means if they're standing back at that seven or eight yard mark, that's like uh, that's a field day for those defensive ends and those edge rushers coming off the snap. But yeah. we always talked about that is that especially non-mobile quarterbacks, if they don't have the ability to step up in a pocket, the game is a lot harder for them uh, if there's nowhere to, to step up. Yeah, I can see why Michael Parsons was happy, right? Because there's nothing more frustrating from the edge perspective, right? When you've been that edge and then the quarterback just steps up and steps up into that honey hole to throw the ball when you felt like at seven or eight yards, he should be getting sacked because there should be somebody in the middle pushing that pocket. And to your point, Rick, I think Mozzie Smith can be a three down player. If you turn mm. on that Ohio State game and then the TCU game, you see him dominate at times. Right. I mean, he gave Steve Avila some some issues from TCU. But then and you see other games and you, you don't see it as consistent, right? And maybe yeah. that was because he was playing too many snaps. Maybe they, you know, taking snaps down to 35 to 40 snaps a game, you get that all the time from him. But, uh, yeah, if, if you're Michael Parsons and you're going to be, you know, more specifically just an edge guy now, you're excited because of what this guy does, the strength. We've seen some of the weight room uh, videos from this guy. He's stupid strong, like yeah. ridiculous, Mozzie Smith. And, you know, I know Whip, Luke, uh, Luke Whippler wasn't a, a big – I wasn't a big fan of his. He gave that dude big issues in that yeah. Ohio State game. So uh, I thought this was a good pick. I thought it was a need for them, right, because Diggy Zoo was more of a attacking three technique. Right. Smaller. They needed somebody. Yeah. They needed somebody that can hold down the run game. That was the one place they were susceptible on this defense last year was against the run. So I think Mozzie Smith fills that void. And I love the overshone pick. I mean, you guys know I was high on him when we did the linebacker hmm. breakdown. I had him in my top five. Um, he was a guy that was a former safety transitioning the linebacker. So he's just coming into his own at linebacker. But Pete, I mean, um, Rick, they even put this guy on the edge sometimes and let him rush on third down. So. And he'll fit perfect in Dan Quinn's scheme. Cause Correct. He's, he's not a take-on guy, but he's athletic, can run, and he likes to hit. Mm. So you put him <laughs> as a time linebacker or what Dan Quinn does with these guys like Javon Curse. Correct. Have, you know, guys like that that are those tweener guys, he finds a way how to utilize their uh, their positives. And he's going to be a special teams ace because he started on all the special teams, even though he started at Texas. Yep. And Lijay, tell um, Cowboys fans who maybe don't know anything about Junior Paoko what they can expect from him. Heavy hands is what you're going to see on film. This guy, great hand usage right now. He's not twitchy off the edge. So I'm kind of interested, uh, Rick, and we talked about this before. Will they make him put on some weight and maybe play more inside? In that in that four three scheme because they they're they're kind of deep at the edge position right now, and with the Dallas Cowboys, so he's a guy that played up and down the line of scrimmage at you know at San Jose State last year. I could see them maybe potentially putting them putting some more weight on him, or you know they on first and second down having them play on the edge, then kick him inside on third down. But this yeah. guy has great hand usage, plays with heavy hands. When he hits you, you go backwards. He's a and this is a compliment, a bull in a china shop. Yeah, the, the effort and energy he plays with, and he's not a great athlete, but mm. with the uh, and he does have some slipperiness to him. We always judge defensive linemen about if they know how to work the edges and they can slip off blocks. He knows how to do that, 
he's not going to beat you with his speed off the edge or anything like that. But his he is a going Jesse now when you watched him on tape. It was fun to watch. All right, Rick, before we get out of here, do you want to apologize to Ligier for Jose Ramirez getting drafted? Oh, <laughs> I told him. No, the, the, you know you know what the one was for me, Ryan? And I texted him right away, too. I told him Kobe Turner was going high. Yeah. He didn't believe me. Hey, listen, we had Chris Paso on one of our first mock draft shows, and he had Kobe going to the end of the first round. And Rick, Never saw him after that. that high. But this is <laughs> – but this is just this is back in November, so I'm okay. willing to give it. You're just sort of throwing darts. Sorry, but November, whatever it is for you, that's fine. You know what though? Your final pick in the first round, I believe, was Zay Flowers, like that same draft. Uh, so, yeah, whatever. But my point is that we we were giving Trapasso a hard time, and my boy went in the third round, and um, Lije might have been on something. But you can apologize. I'm not. I don't want to talk about Kobe because I was wrong on that too. But you can apologize for Jose on your own. Well, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> we're just saying we need two, three years to, yeah, to yeah, determine yeah. it, huh, Rick? Yeah, if he's bouncing around still, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Oh, I love it. All right, guys, that is a wrap on episode 49. Remember, give us a thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube. Subscribe to the podcast and leave a five-star review. Thanks, as always, to my guy, Rick. Thanks, as always, to my guy, Lije, for his insights. Thanks to Devo for producing. Thanks to all of you out there for watching and listening. And by the way, on Thursday, we'll be talking AFC and NFC South with the unofficial mayor of Jacksonville and the official with the first pick, Kermudge and Pete Prisco. So we see you guys then. <laughs> <laughs>